0: So we've been uh, going through this series called Wisdom. We've been looking at uh, both historical texts in the Bible as well as uh, the book of Proverbs primarily, as well as Ecclesiastes, some of these wisdom books. And and one of the things that I wanted to point out throughout the series is that just because we've trusted in Jesus doesn't mean that we suddenly make wise choices all the time. That was our wisest choice. But uh, sometimes we uh, still fall back to old habits. Sometimes we follow, right, the desires of our flesh. We we do our own thing. Sometimes we're kind of like, I don't know, I think, you know, I know that's what God says, but I'm just gonna go figure it out my own way for a little while and see what happens. And and so, uh, but God, because He loves us, He wants His kids to be wise. And the heart of the entire book of Proverbs was, right, it was written from a father to his children and is desiring them to make wise choices because life will tend to be easier when we live wisely. Life will tend to go better when we live rightly. Now, that doesn't mean that there won't be persecution for doing the right thing. That won't mean that for seasons, those who do evil will seem to succeed, right? But on average... The probability suggests, as I say, right, that, that if we live this way, we set ourselves up for, for success and blessing more frequently, and we avoid unnecessary heartache and suffering. And, and so throughout this series, we've been kind of looking at uh, this royal family. Maybe you haven't noticed, but that's okay. Uh, I'm, I'll, draw, I'll, I'll, I'll connect the dots right now, uh, right? We, we've looked at one of the failures of King David. Right, we've looked at King Solomon, David's son, uh, early on in his reign as king, where, where he sought the Lord, that he would have wisdom to be able to rule the people of Israel well. And we've read right, the book of Proverbs, a lot of it, which is written primarily by Solomon, right? or, he, or Proverbs that he collected, and, and, and that he's setting up his son for success. And today we're going to read about Rehoboam, uh, which is Solomon's son, and we're gonna read in 1 Kings 11 as well as 12, uh, a little glimpse at Rehoboam's early uh, role as king. And, and this is the guy, right? This is the one in which all of Proverbs has been invested in, right? That this, this father Solomon's just like, listen, like, I just want you to be wise, son. I need you to make the right choices for our nation. This is a big deal. I want what's best for you. And like, you know, imagine if your dad was the guy who wrote Proverbs, you, you know, maybe you're like, I know dad, like as a dog, you know, returns to its vomit. So does the fool return to their sin. I get it. Okay. Right. Like maybe he's just been rolling his eyes at his dad this whole time, but let's see if this pays off. All right. Let's see what happens. So I'm, I'm picking up in first Kings 11 verse 42, right at the end. And it says this Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over all Israel for 40 years. And when he died, he was buried in the city of David named for his father. And then his son, Rehoboam, became the next king. All right, so in terms of the characters, I think I've got like a little list of names that we can put up on the screen. So we've got David, we've got Solomon, we've got Rehoboam, and then there's this dude, Jeroboam, that kind of like worked for Solomon and ran away. He'll, He'll come into the story in a minute, and he'll come back in during Rehoboam's Kind of first week of of reigning as king so so the names to, to hopefully not get confused on is Rehoboam and jeroboam they 're both Boams, I know but uh, but Reho and jero okay, so just right just try to remember those names i didn 't want to get you guys lost today, so I figured i 'd put that up so so Rehoboam is the kid that has had All of Proverbs just invested into, he's got resources invested into him. The kingdom is thriving during this season of peace. And unfortunately, at the end of Solomon's life, even though he was this wise king, he did make some foolish decisions, and we'll see the outcome of those choices as well. But picking up in 1 Kings 12, the next verse, it says this, So Rehoboam went to Shechem, where all Israel had gathered to make him king. All right, so like an inauguration sort of thing like that. Verse 2, when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, heard of this, he returned from Egypt, for he had fled to Egypt to escape King Solomon. So there was a falling out between Solomon and Jeroboam. All right, and now Jeroboam comes back because Solomon's dead. He's like, oh, I don't have to worry anymore. And also the people had invited him back. Verse 3, the leaders of Israel had summoned him, that is Jeroboam, and Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel went to speak with their new king, Rehoboam. And this is what they said, verse 4, your father was a hard master, right? Lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us, then we will be your loyal subjects. So we've got kind of a class warfare thing going on here. Just saying, it like, hey, this is your chance. Like, you're the brand new king. Maybe you could just lighten the load on us just a little bit, right? Because Solomon, even though he did some great things, right? He built the, you know, the temple and a palace and all of these things, right? He did it on the backs of the people. Okay, so, uh, so Rehoboam replied. Here we go. Is this wise or is this foolish? Let's find out. He said, give me three days to think this over, then come back for my answer. So the people went away. So wise or foolish, that was a wise thing for him to do. He's like, all right, I don't want to just make a rash decision. You know, I haven't really maybe looked at the country's economy and figured out what tax reductions I can do, or I don't know if I really want to appease these people just yet, but he gave himself some time. To think it over. So that was a wise thing. So when it comes to you and I, because I don't think any of us are going to be king anytime soon, but we all do make decisions that affect our lives, that affect those around us. But when it comes to making choices, sometimes giving ourselves time so we're not just like all emotional in that moment, it might be a good idea. However, let's not think so highly of ourselves, because even if supposedly... We were omniscient, and we knew everything. Uh, giving ourselves three days to think everything over as we waited out and considered what's the best choice for me, we just don't have the processing power to, to optimize that equation. right? Like It doesn't matter if you have the simplex algorithm in your spreadsheet and you're trying to figure out which variables do I tweak to make the best life choice. That's how you guys make choices, right? That's, that's what I do. I know like I pull out a spreadsheet, and I'm just like, here we go. This is going to be great. Uh, but the point is, no matter how much time we have, we still can make foolish choices because we're limited in our capacity. All right. We, first of all, we don't know everything, and then even if we did, we wouldn't be able to think all of it at once quickly enough to come up with the best outcome. All right. So, so here we have this young king. He gets this request from the people, somewhat in like, "Uh-oh, like what do I, what do I do now? I'm the new king. Do I just keep doing things my dad's way? Am I going to make a name for myself and do things differently? And and he asks for more." time. So verse 6, let's see, this is another wise move that Rehoboam does, right? So it says, then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the older men who had counseled his father Solomon. What is your advice? He asked, how should I answer these people? So good call, So far, he's made two good, wise choices. Give me time, and then he goes and asks the people who are older than him because they're probably wiser than him. And these people also had experience in advising the king, possibly for even up to the 40 years that Solomon was king. So getting their input was probably a good idea. And so verse 7, the older counselors replied, if you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. All right. Now, I have a feeling the word where they probably lost Rehoboam was servant. All right? I think that's where they lost him. All right? Because, like, when I'm looking for advice, I'm not really looking for, like, wait, wait, you mean you think I should serve other people? You think I should put, like, other people before myself? Like, that's not often the kind of advice that we're looking for when we are even willing to humble ourselves to the point of asking advice, right? That's, that's probably not what he was looking for. So let's see, verse 8. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead, <coughs> I don't even know what he's thinking here, asked the opinion of the young men who had grown up with him and we're now his advisors. So he's like, ah, these, go, these old guys don't know what they're talking about. I'm gonna go to my entourage, my homies, these guys know me, they know our nation, they know what we should do, right? We, we wanna make a name for Rehoboam in Israel. We want people to know who I am and I'm not gonna serve the people, they're gonna serve me. So, so this is often what we do when we hear advice from someone. We're not actually looking for the wise thing to do. We're looking, you know, we'll, we'll, when we hear someone's advice, we kind of weigh it out and not according to wisdom, just according to our feelings. And then we're like, no, nah, I don't like that. I'm going to go find someone else and hear their advice. And no, nah, I don't like that one either. I'm just looking for someone to tell me the thing that I want to hear that just validates the way I feel so that I can go off and do my foolish thing that I really wanted to do the whole time. But now at least I have someone I can blame it on, right? That's kind of like what we do when we seek advice. And that seems to be what Rehoboam was doing as well. And so, uh, so that's what we do when we look for advice. We don't care actually about their opinions. We just want someone to agree with us. And we read this verse ye- uh, yesterday, last week in Proverbs, Proverbs 18:2. It says, "'Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their own opinions.'" right? Even when it comes to us seeking advice, sometimes we actually didn't even care for someone to speak up. We just wanted to vent for a little bit. We just wanted to like, just go on a little rant. And then like, when they're like, oh, actually, you know, I think, no, I wasn't actually looking for you to talk. I just wanted to tell you how I felt about this. You know, I'm not looking for your advice right now. Thank you though, right? We just wanted to tell people about our problems or whatever. So, um, so that's what, uh, Rehoboam does. And now, you know, the Bible doesn't have a lot of great things to say about young men other than, like, their legs are strong. Uh, so I don't know. They, they were not the best choice when it, goes, uh, when it comes to, like, seeking wisdom. Uh, so I don't think he chose wisely. But verse 9, he says, What is your advice? He asked them. How should I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens imposed by my father? Verse 10, here we go. Oh, you guys. Whew. The young men replied, This is what you should tell those complainers who want a lighter burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions, kind of like the the scourges sort of idea. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, so he didn't really choose wisely in, in getting counsel from these young guys anyway, but I think that they probably spoke to his ego of just the idea of, like, you know, hey, like, this is your chance, Ray Bohm. like, you're gonna be a big shot. Like yeah, your dad, yeah, I know that everyone says he was the wisest ever to exist but like your little finger is as thick as his waist, right? Like you're going to be huge, right? Israel is in your control now. We grew up with you. It's us. It's our time. This is for our generation. And like these guys are probably just thinking like if they can just appeal to his ego, right? They're going to be the ones who get to be his advisors for this entire next generation. And uh, they don't give him good advice. (coughs) And so... uh, So one of the Proverbs, Proverbs 12, verse 5 says this, it says, "...the plans of the godly are just, the advice of the wicked is treacherous." Okay, so when when we get counsel, which by the way, like I said, we don't have all of the wisdom and insight we need anyway, so we should be seeking counsel from other people, right? We should be getting feedback from others and just, you know, yield our hearts for a minute and just be like, all right, what do you think? You know, what, what are your thoughts? What would you do in this situation?" Uh, but, it, but who we choose matters, right? Who we listen to matters, right? Uh, and this is what it says, is that the plans of the godly are just, but the advice of the wicked is treacherous. It's not going to be good for us. And then verse, verse 6, it says, the words of the wicked are like a murderous ambush. So not, not helpful, uh, but the words of the godly save lives. All right, and so actually at some point this week, maybe go read uh, Psalm chapter 1 that talks about just kind of like who you expose yourself to, what counsel you listen to, right, who you seek advice from, because that matters, because the people we hang out, the people we uh, associate with, we tend to conform our thinking to, and we start to think like they do. So, so go read Psalm chapter 1 uh, about that similar idea of, of who are you getting advice from. But uh, Proverbs twelve twenty six. so these are all sayings that Rehoboam would have known or should have known because his dad, like, wrote this for him. Uh, he, he says, uh, the godly give good advice to their friends, okay? The wicked lead them astray. And so, like, the really sad thing about this is that the wicked lead astray their own friends. And this isn't, like, maliciously. I think that they genuinely could be trying to give good advice to their friends, maybe. maybe. Uh, But it's sad that the advice that these wicked friends give leads astray the person who would listen to them. And, And the reason is this, like this is why I'm suggesting it's not like they're maliciously trying to bring harm or bring about the downfall of their friend, it's that they themselves are led astray. Okay, it, says, it says in James that when we are tempted by sin, we are led astray by our own desires. It, it says in Ephesians 4 that we, each of us, have deceitful desires. Or it says in Jeremiah that our hearts are, are corrupt, right? that, that we have this issue within ourselves that we are self-deceived by the very things that our bodies want right, that our flesh wants, that our, right, the, the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, right, the lust of the eyes, all of those things that we want are actually at war, at odds with what is good for us, right? It says in, in uh, I believe it's 1 Peter, the idea that our, our flesh is at war with our soul, or in Galatians that our, our flesh is at war with the spirit. So we have these desires, and the wicked are those who are led astray by their own desires, and so when someone comes to them for advice, they're going to be like, yeah, go do it. You deserve it, right? Like, go do the thing that you want to do. And you'd think that they're being your friend at that moment, but they are, in fact, giving you advice that is leading you astray. So let's see verse 12, back to, to Rehoboam, Jeroboam here. Three days later, so Jeroboam, the guy that was like ran away to Egypt and came back, all right, Uh, And all the people returned to hear Rehoboam's decision, just as the king had ordered. But Rehoboam, oh man, Rehoboam, spoke harshly to the people for he rejected the advice of the older counselors and he followed the counsel of his young advisors. He told the people, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. So the king paid no attention to the people. This turn of events, wait a minute, check this out. Verse 15, wait, the king paid no attention to the people. This turn of events was the will of the Lord? What? Right, like it seemed like this was just the will of Rehoboam, right? And I don't think he was much interested in honoring God in his decisions or not. But what's interesting is, Regardless of in our hearts whether we choose to honor God with our decisions, God will be honored nonetheless, all right? That God was at work this whole time, right? We see this whole lineage at play with David and Solomon and, and now Rehoboam and they've all made foolish choices at times, but God is work at work in the background and his will is going to be done. All right, and so, so even though the king makes this foolish choice, his foolishness plays into the plan that God had all along. All right, so it says, This turn of events was the will of the Lord, for it fulfilled the Lord's message to Jeroboam, son of Nebat, through the prophet Ahijah from Shiloh. What is going on here? Right, isn't this weird? Like, so God was at work using the foolishness of Rehoboam to bring about his will. And so what what this is referring to, this moment, uh, you can read it in 1 Kings 11 later, uh, that the prophet Ahijah actually speaks to Jeroboam about this issue, right? About Solomon back then, all right? So David, Solomon, Rehoboam. Rehoboam's dad had this issue. Rehoboam's dad, Solomon, was the wisest person, Right? He's the one that as a young king sought wisdom from the Lord to rule his people well. But as an older king, he starts worshiping false gods. And it says in 1 Kings 11 that he was approached by God, that God confronted him on this sin issue, and he rejected God twice. He turned it down. And I, what I want to suggest here about Solomon is that I believe he was wise enough to to not assume that God was wrong or that God didn't know what he was talking about. But the issue wasn't with wisdom. The issue wasn't with his ability to process and think logically. The issue was what God was claiming to be true was true, but in Solomon's heart, he didn't want it to be true. So the, the issue with we as people isn't one that can be solved by more wisdom or more knowledge. You and I have a heart problem, that even when something is true, even when something is wise, we reject it if our heart might not like it, right? Isn't that, like, scary that Solomon, in all of his wisdom, rejects God twice and worships these false gods as an older man, and as a result, God prophesies to Jeroboam and says, hey, listen, one day I'm going to take the kingdom away from Solomon's family, I'm going to take them away. The kingdom will be divided, all right? And what happens is that 10 of the 12 tribes are going to follow Jeroboam and only two will remain in the lineage of David, okay? So it's just like this interesting story where all of these kings fail repeatedly, right? It doesn't re- really leave us with like a lot of optimism or hope in, in humanity, like, you know, somehow like, no, 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 this, this political leader would be the one to solve all the problems. No, no, sadly no. Like, and, and these guys were equipped with wisdom, right? They, they knew the Lord, they had God's blessing and favor at work in them, and still they make these foolish choices. But regardless of the choices of men, God's plan will go on. It says this in Proverbs 21, no human wisdom or understanding or plan can stand against the Lord regardless of what that plan is, right? God, god's plan will be the one to succeed. So whether it's Solomon in his own heart rejecting God and worshiping false gods, God is still at work in that decision. If it's Rehoboam, like, satisfying his own ego and, and imposing, right, all sorts of burdens on his own people, God is going to be glorified in that decision. And even in the New Testament. If you read Acts chapter 2, one of the things that Peter suggests in a sermon is that the Pharisees' plan to murder Jesus by the hands of wicked men, which would have appeared to be the defeat of our Savior, right? The killing of God, the only good and perfect person to ever live, that even in that choice, to do evil, God would ultimately be glorified in Jesus' resurrection and the opportunity for salvation of many people, right? God is at work in, yes, even our foolish or evil decisions. And it's crazy, all right? It's the thing that gives us hope rather than placing our hope somehow in, in humanity's ability to overcome and overachieve, right? All of us are flawed. All of these best kings were flawed. And, and the wise choices that we saw with David a few weeks back was that when he was exposed, when his flaws were revealed, he admitted it, right? He was willing to turn from that sin and, and go back to God. He was willing to repent and change his, his way of thinking, his, change his mind, change his actions, and go back to God. And so, so this playing out of events, wasn't just in the hands of these kings, that God was at work this entire time. So check this out, verse 16, when all Israel realized that the king had refused to listen to them, they responded, down with the dynasty of David, we have no interest in the son of Jesse, in case you don't know, Jesse is David's dad, all right. Uh, back to your homes, O Israel. Look out for your own house, O David. And so the people of Israel returned home. But Rehoboam continued to rule over the Israelites who lived in the towns of Judah. And this, oh man, this next verse 18, that makes me feel so sad for this guy. King Rehoboam sent Adoniram, this other dude, who was in charge of the labor force, Alright, so Rehoboam the king makes this foolish decree and now he's like, alright, can you go solve this problem for me? <laughs> and uh, Adoniram goes to restore order, but the people of Israel stoned him to death. All right, so this, this poor guy is just like caught in the middle like, I guess I have to obey my king. And like, alright everybody, go back to work, let's be cool. And then they, they kill him. They kill him. Alright, ouch. Uh, So when this news reached King Rehoboam, he quickly jumped into his chariot and fled to Jerusalem. And to this day, at least the day that 1 Kings is written, uh, the northern tribes of Israel have refused to be ruled by a descendant of David. And when the people of Israel learned of Jeroboam's return from Egypt, they called an assembly and made Jeroboam, all right, not Rehoboam. Jeroboam king over all Israel, so only the tribe of Judah remained loyal to the family of David. And so in this story, we see the the failure of the decisions. We see the the foolishness of the choices of of leaders, right? The people that that God has actually spoken that through this family, the Messiah will come. But it wasn't somehow like his his, uh, endorsement on this family that they were somehow good or great people, that they actually like played right into the biblical narrative that you and I and all humanity are flawed, right? That we have this heart issue, we have this sin issue in us that needs to be cured. And so these two themes that I I see in this, this text that I want us to think about are where do we get counsel and where do we place our hope? Okay, so where do we get counsel, and where do we place our hope? And when it comes to making wise choices, right, there are godly people that we could go to. We could yield our hearts to the Word of God, and even when we want to resist, we're like, I don't want that to be true. I want to do things this way, but we could choose to yield to God's Word instead, and that will be the wise thing to do. Right? Or we can listen to the counsel of, of those who are ungodly, those who are led astray by their own desires, just like we do get all the time, right? And if they're encouraging us to do the same thing, we too will be led astray. So you might, you might think like, well, you know, maybe, maybe I'm just going to do things my own way. Maybe I'm not going to get anyone's advice, and I'm just going to look out for number one, because I think I've got a pretty good head on my shoulders. I think I've got this. Right? Like, I can make life choices for me. I've got a five-year plan. Have I told you about spreadsheets, right? Like, we, we, I can make the best choices. I've got these goals. I'm going to obtain them, and, and I'm just going to look out for myself. And, like, sadly, whether we uh, would ever say that out loud, we all tend to think this way. We tend to think that we know what is good, that we know what is right, we know what is wise. But that's actually not the case. It's all of us. I'm not just, like, saying, like, you guys. Like, no, that's all of us. It says this in Proverbs 28, that those who trust their own insight are foolish, but anyone who walks in wisdom is safe. That we're all susceptible to just trusting our own insight, our own instinct, or, or sadly, even just whatever the desires of our flesh might be, right? That we think we know what would be best for us. Or, or in Proverbs fourteen twelve, it says, there is a path before each person that seems right, but its end is death. Right, like every person on the planet thinks that they are doing what is right for them. Right, it says elsewhere in Proverbs that every person is right in their own eyes, but the Lord is the one who weighs the motives. He's the one that weighs the heart. And so, so it would be presumptuous, I guess, for any of us to just be like, I know that's true for everyone else, guys, but I'm pretty sure I know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm pretty sure I know what would be good for me. But the Bible's saying that it's foolish to just merely trust our own insight. We don't have sufficient perception to see or understand the reality that we face or the problems that we're making decisions about. That's why sometimes, like, trusting the godly counsel of friends who are willing to tell you the hard truth when need be and hold you accountable, like, like you've got a blind spot here. Like, I don't know what's going on, but, like, you're missing this completely. You don't realize this flaw in these repeated decisions you're making that are bringing harm to yourself or your family, right? Like, we need to recognize that we, we make foolish choices ourselves, right? And, and God wants us to be wise. And, and so here, here's an example. Maybe it's too soon to bring this up. I don't know. But, uh, but we as, as humans are not great, we're not good at discerning what is good, all right? We as humanity are, are ineffective at discerning what is right, never mind what is wise, okay? Uh, just consider, <coughs> the, here we go, this past election cycle. Okay, all right, here we go, here, all, right, all right, here we go, here we go, all right. Uh, just consider the fact that, that this nation, every person, has different values as to what would be good for this nation. If we as humanity were really good at discerning what is good, then shouldn't we be a little bit more unanimous? Like, shouldn't we as a society, like, or everybody just be like a little bit closer to being in agreement as like, no, this would actually be what's best. This would be what's good. This is the thing that is right. And I'm not suggesting that any party happens to have a monopoly on morality here, right? I'm just suggesting that if we as humans were good at this, we as humans would hopefully be a little bit closer in agreement to what would be good. And so it would be somewhat presumptuous for me to be like, everyone else is wrong and I'm the one who got it right. Right, that would be a little bit presumptuous. So, so just in terms of like this previous election, it plays into the biblical narrative that, that you and I, all humanity, is flawed. We don't always know what is good. Or, or consider this, that the, those two uh, candidates were both terribly flawed people, which once again points to the, what the Bible says about humanity, that there, we're not going to suddenly find a good king in David's line born of normal means, right? We're not like suddenly going to like find like this is the person who's going to solve our problems. But the fact that like our best choices for president, right, were terribly flawed, points to the fact that you and I and all humanity has this sin issue in our hearts, right? Like you might place your hope in like, oh, Rehoboam, he's going to be the king to solve this problem, right? He's going to be the the one to make uh, Israel great again. Or like, no, 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 we need to to protest against him. It's Jeroboam, he's the dude, right? He's the one that'll solve the problem. And it doesn't go well for either of these nations, okay? Uh, The hope that we have is not found in suddenly finding a person who is good. And I just want to point out that like, even in our own world right now, modern day, it's it's somewhat obvious that we as humans are not good at, at discerning what is good and we ourselves in our own hearts, are flawed, okay? And, and like I said earlier, the cure to these problems, it's not more wisdom. It's not more knowledge. Because Solomon, in all of his wisdom, rejected what was true when it was right in front of him. It's our hearts. We have this heart problem. And what, what's cool is that there is hope, even for these people back then in 1 Kings 12 there is hope that God had a plan to restore the brokenness in humanity, that God had prophesied through his prophets, right, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to restore the brokenness. I'm going to bring reconciliation between man and God once again. And that through these kings, check this out, in Jeremiah 23, I've got this up here. This is what Jeremiah said. For the time is coming, says the Lord, when I will raise up a righteous descendant from King David's line. Just so you know, it wasn't any of <laughs> any of these guys. You can read about through the Old Testament. It wasn't one of them. All right? But I will rise, raise up a righteous descendant, descendant from King David's line. He will be a king who rules with wisdom. He will do what is just and right throughout the land. Verse 6, and this will be his name. The Lord is our righteousness. In that day, Judah will be saved and Israel will live in safety. So our hope is in this wise king. Our hope is in this one person that God prophesied, the Messiah who would come through this family's line in all of their flaws and brokenness. Right? And this person is Jesus who was born king. All right? Jesus, if you read Luke chapter 2 or uh, Matthew, the opening, it talks about his lineage. That Jesus was a descendant of these folks, right? of David and Solomon and Rehoboam. Right? J- Jesus was a descendant of these people. Jesus fulfilled so many prophecies that are in the Old Testament. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in him as king. Our hope is in him. He is the Lord, our righteousness. He is the only one that can cure the brokenness of the human heart. It's not me doing good works that could ever make myself right with God, but when I trust in Jesus, he exchanges my sin for his righteousness. And that's what the Bible says. That's what the hope is resting on. And Jesus, right, saves us. Jesus is the one who wants us to be wise. And Jesus equips us so that we, as Christians, we don't have to live foolish lives. We don't have to live foolish lives. Check this out. This is the last verse I've got for us. John 14, uh, verses 15 through 17. This is Jesus speaking the night before he died, right, during the Last Supper. And this is what he shares with his disciples. He says, if... You love me. Obey my commandments. All right, so first of all, I want to point out, if we simply obey what our flesh craves, we will be led astray. But if we love Jesus, we are to obey his commandments. Verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Because maybe you're feeling like, oh, wait, but, but Jesus isn't like here right now. Like it would have been so cool to live when Jesus was there, and right then he's the righteous one, he's the king, he's the wise one, the just one, right? I just wanted to be around Jesus, but now Jesus is gone. Like, what do we do now? What do we do, right? But but Jesus did not leave us as orphans. He did not abandon us. He sent a, he sent another advocate. That word advocate can also be translated another uh, counselor, another comforter right and the advocate he sends is the holy spirit he will never leave us right verse 17 he is the holy spirit who leads you into all truth so when it comes to making wise choices god wants to dwell inside of you and lead you into all truth he equips you with his holy spirit when you trust in him and the holy spirit is not one that every person has. Jesus said this, the world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. They're not looking for the wise solution. They're not looking to do things the right way or God's way. He says, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. And he said this before he ascended and ends up sending the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, equipping the church for the work of the ministry, right for the mission that he's called us to do. And so we can look back even at this passage and say that the moment I trust in Jesus, the moment I ask him to come into my life, the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, enters into me. And that we become the temple of the Holy Spirit. And that the Holy Spirit will be our comforter He will be our counselor, just giving us wisdom, carrying back that which Jesus says, right? And just communicating to us, right? That he will lead us into all truth. And so Jesus doesn't want you to just simply be saved and then go to heaven someday. He wants you to be walking in the truth on this earth for the rest of your life. He wants you to become more and more like him, not a slave to your old way. Right, but to be able to be free and walk in the newness of life that he calls you to. That we would take on the attributes of God our Father as we become more and more like, like him. And so it's through the Holy Spirit that we can be made wise and it's through Jesus that we find our hope where we can find relationship with God once again. So let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, that you do not give up on us as humans. That, Lord, through generations of failed humanity, of people rejecting and rebelling against you, that you've continued to pursue us. That, Lord, when we've decided to do things our own way, you continue to seek us out because you love us. I thank you, Lord, that that you were willing to come to this earth and die for us even while we were sinners, while we were your enemies, and that, Lord, you invite us into relationship with you. And so, God, I ask that you would be at work in our hearts this morning, that, Holy Spirit, you would be stirring up in us, that you would lead us to repentance, that you would convict us of the things that you need to, that you would be leading us into all truth. And just this week, we ask, God, that you would lead us and guide us, help us to make wise choices, help us to make right choices, help us to to seek your word for godly counsel, and that we would be willing to yield our hearts even when we don't want it to be true. And, Lord, we just celebrate that you are the king in whom we place our hope and that you came to save us. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.